Well, welcome today to all of our life churches, all of our network churches, and those of you all over the world at Church Online. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open them up today to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Today, uh, we are concluding the very important series called Forgotten Virtues. In the first week of the series, we talked about the forgotten virtue of honor, who the Bible says we should show honor to. The second week, we talked about purity. My wife, Amy, talked about a very powerful message about purity. In the third week, we talked about the forgotten virtue of loyalty. Last week, we talked about a very important virtue of integrity. Today, though, I want to talk to you about uh, a virtue that is almost totally forgotten in the society and in the world that's growing up today. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a Boston consultant who was working with a bunch of college graduates, and he took all these college graduates and said that everybody in the workforce today, there's one word that they use to describe this emerging generation into the workforce, and the word begins with E. He asked all of these recent graduates, what do you think is the one word that so many people use to describe you that starts with the letter E? And all these young hopefuls said, um, energetic, excellent, and they all, all through these different names that really describe their positive behaviors beginning with exceptional. And after they listed all of these different E words, the consultant said, actually, the number one most commonly used word to describe this generation as they move into the workforce is the word entitled, entitled. In fact, the millennials are labeled as the entitled generation, those who feel like everyone owes us and we deserve more. Now, before those of us who are older say, yeah, that younger generation, what we have to realize is we created by our actions and our attitudes a generation that feels very, very entitled. H how did we do that? Well, many different ways. For one thing, uh, those kind of my age and older, very typical, the average person worked way too much, often ended up divorced, they loved their kids, and so they tried to make up for their lack of time by never saying no. Here you can have this, here you can have that, I'll make more money, we'll give you more. And so this younger generation just felt like, hey, if we want it, baby, we're going to get it. Then we also protected the upcoming generation. When I was a kid, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck with 18 of your friends. Anybody remember that at all? Yeah? Nowadays, like you're buckled down with 43 different buck belt buckles, totally protected. You can't even ride a bicycle without a helmet because, baby, we're going to protect this upcoming generation. And it goes on that when I was a kid, you used to actually have to win something to get a ribbon. How many of you remember that? You, you, you had to win something. Now you just have to show up. You know, it's like, hey, Johnny, you were last, but you... Ran so slow and we're so proud of you. So here's a ribbon. Congratulations for being in last place, Johnny. And what it's done is it's built a generation of people who really feel entitled. And it's not just them. I mean, it's me. I, I went to speak recently at a leadership conference and to say thank you, these people, they gave me one of the first iPads. Just came out. I don't know if you've seen an iPad, but just like cool in a little box. I mean, it's a little thing this big and you can get on this thing, you can order a pizza that's delivered to your home, you can, you can purchase a car, you can get round the world uh, air tickets. Uh, if, if I had a smart home, 
which I don't. My home is below average in intellect. It's a dumb home. But if I had a smart home, I could turn the lights on or off from anywhere in the world with this thing. I'm sitting in my home with this little gadget, and it's taking like a long time to download. It's like three seconds. I'm going, what is wrong with this thing? Three seconds, and I'm sitting there just furious because it's taking so long. I mean, here I am. I'm ordering a pizza. The signal's going into space and coming down at a pizza place, and a pizza's going to be delivered to my home through this device, and I'm upset because it took three seconds. I'm entitled to what I want now. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the opposite of entitlement, the forgotten virtue of gratitude. Could everybody say gratitude? Say it again, gratitude. Gratitude. Let's look at what the Bible says, a very interesting story about some people who looked entitled and did not stop to show gratitude. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, we'll look at a story about Jesus. The Bible says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to a village, how many men did he encounter? The Bible says there were 10 men who had leprosy and they met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, let me just pause right there and give you some context so you'll understand. Uh, A leper had one of the most painful diseases you could ever imagine. Uh, You may have seen pictures. They, They would have oozing sores that would just bubble up and, and their, uh, the sickness would actually infect their nerve endings. It was very painful. They could, uh, literally, they could go to sleep in the middle of the night and because of their sores, they might wake up and a rat could have gnawed a, a limb off, a pinky or something, and that was very, very common. And, but that wasn't ju- just the worst of it. The physical pain was bad, but according to Leviticus 13, whenever someone got close, they had to scream out of themselves unclean, unclean, warning people to turn and go the other way. So it was very humiliating. These people, not only were they they physically hurting all the time, but you can only imagine the emotional pain to have not had relationships, contact, intimacy, not, not to have been hugged for years or years. And so these 10 guys, they see across the street, way, way over there, they see the man that has been rumored can heal people. And so you can only imagine the, the, the excitement. Jesus, please help. I mean, th- this, could be, this could be the greatest moment of my life. If he would hear me, heal me, then this could be the miracle upon all miracles, they cry out. The, the next verse says this. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, the Bible says, they were cleansed, miracle, healed. Their disease was gone. Their greatest dreams, their their most outlandish prayer had just been answered. Verse 15 says something very surprising. How many of them does verse 15 talk about? The Bible says one of them, not ten, but one, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. This would have been the least likely one. Jesus, though, you can almost sense his surprise. He, he pauses, and he asks this guy, hang on a second. Were not all ten cleansed? Uh, just curious. Where are the other nine? 
Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Well, hang on. You you can almost see Jesus is dumbfounded. You you were begging. You were crying out. You were in deep distress. Your your life was basically nothing. You, You were just going to survive out your days all alone. You cried out, and God sent me. And this is the miracle of all miracles. And where'd you go? What, 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 what are you doing? And, and you got to admit that the nine probably weren't really bad guys. They're probably just thinking, I, I want to go home and tell my wife. I want to see my family. I mean, I, 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 I mean, this is what I asked for. And, you know, I didn't deserve that. So I had this coming, didn't I? I mean, this is what should have happened. And it was almost as if they slipped into this entitled mindset. Only one stopped to thank God for his blessings. My question to you is this. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Because truthfully, the odds are stacked against you. Will you be the one? Think about it. Will you be the one that daily pauses to give glory and honor to the one who gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in all the busyness and lift up a true heartfelt worship to the creator and sustainer of the universe? Will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one whom, when you were a sinner, sent his son Jesus to do something for you you couldn't do for yourself and you certainly deserve the opposite? Will you be the one? And not just with God, but let's think about the people that impact you. Will you be the one that stops long enough to write a thank you note, to express your gratitude to someone who impacted you? Will you be the one today to say to those who are ministering to your children faithfully every week, thank you for investing in my kids. Thank you for serving me and my family. Will you be the one to stop and say thank you to a coach or thank you to a teacher or thank you to someone who leads your life group or thank you to your mom or thank you to your dad or thank you to uh, the pastor that leads you at your church? Will you be the one to stop and to show honor and gratitude or will you be like most people today? I got it coming to me. I don't have time to stop and say thank you. Will you be the one? Or will you continue to live with an ungrateful mindset? You may say, yeah, you know, I'm not ungrateful. I'm, 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 a, I'm a generally grateful person. That's what I like to think, though. But as I've examined my life, just the way I live over the last few weeks, I've realized I, I live with incredible ingratitude. I am so often ungrateful in so many different ways. Uh, Let me just show you quickly from an interesting story in the New Testament. Jesus uh, told a story about a guy that had two sons, a younger one and an older one, and you can see the ungrateful mindset in both of these sons' lives. Let me just give you two quick phrases. If If you're taking notes, write this down. The first ungrateful mindset says, I want it now. Everybody say that. Say, I want it now. Say it again. You should be good at this. I want it when I want it. I want it now. I was in a restaurant the other day, a fast food restaurant, and they were, they were slow. I put my order in, and I waited, and I was waiting. I was like going, it's been probably three minutes. Three minutes! And you call this fast food? And so the person came up and said, I'm sorry, we're running a little behind. Would you go sit down, and we'll deliver your food to the table? I'm sitting over there at the table going, 
Five minutes had been by. I, I, I'm thinking about my sermon on gratitude. I got to get this thing ready. <laughs> and it dawns on me somebody else is making my burger. They're putting mayonnaise and pickles and mustard, and they're wrapping it up, and they're putting it on a tray, and they are bringing it to me in under 10 minutes. And yet I've been so conditioned that I deserve and I demand, and I want it now. You can see the same attitude in the younger son in the story of, called the prodigal son. Jesus says this in Luke 15, uh, verse 11. Uh, he said, the Bible says, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. I want it now. Now, if you know, traditionally, you receive your inheritance after someone dies, but not this guy. I want it now. I want to go live my life. Though I don't want your rules. I don't want to wait. I want what you have, and I want it now. And so the father, for whatever reason, gives it to the son. And if you know the story, the Bible says he went out and he squandered it. He wasted it. He blew it all. He, he hired women. He threw big keg parties. He lived wild. And what took the father perhaps years or decades to accumulate, the ungrateful son totally wasted in a matter of weeks or months. I want it now. What's interesting to me is that the upcoming generation really has this I want it now mindset. You, you can see this all the time. You'll see people in their 20s who really feel like they deserve to live at the same standard their parents are living at only in their 20s. I want the same kind of home. I want to drive the same kind of car. I want to take the same kind of vacations. I'm 23, I'm 25, I'm 28, but I want to live at the same standard or better than my parents did. Well, shame on that generation. Where do you think they learned it from? They learned it from parents who thought, if I want it, I'm going to get it now. It's been a long time. It's probably my great-grandparents. They had this really old, archaic philosophy that many of you have never heard of, and I'll explain it to you. It's, it's hard to understand. I'll, I'll put it in as simple language as I can. They, they believe this crazy thing that, what, that if you wanted it, you had to save up your money before you could buy it. I know, I know. Let me say it again. I'll, try to, I'll put it in words that will make more sense. It's, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. That if you wanted something, you would not buy it if you didn't have the money. Some of you going, well, why? You could just charge it and pay 29% interest for the rest of your life. I know, I know, I know. But they would actually save up their money, and they would do something that's called wait. Now you're saying, what does wait mean? Wait means that you don't get it now. I know, I know, I know. It's totally insane because we've been trained and we've conditioned and my generation conditioned the next one that if you want it, you deserve it now. And if you don't have it, maybe somebody owes you and something's going wrong. I want it, give it to me now. There, there's another mindset. Oh, by the way, if you're in debt besides some kind of tragedy, chances are it's because you had that mindset. Did I just get rude and in your business? Let me just say it again. If you are in debt, spending more than you have, buying more than you need, Call it what it is. You want it now. Entitled mindset. The second thing is this. Uh, we feel like, I deserve more. 
I deserve more. This was the older brother. If you, you know the story, the younger brother goes off, blows all of the inheritance, and then one day wakes up and goes, that was stupid. This is bad. Uh, and now I don't have anything. Even the servants at dad's house, they have more than I do. I'm going to go back there and just beg. And so when he comes back, this father, who is a picture of our heavenly father, is waiting out on the edge of town going, thank God my son is back. And he throws this big honking party. He gives him a robe and a ring, and he, and he kills the, the calf and says, steak for everybody, and throws this big party. And the big brother, though, starts having a pity party. He's outside going, wait a minute, that, that, I, I've never broken the rules, and nobody did that for me. I deserve that and more. I deserve that and more. Here's how the story plays out in Luke 15, 29. He, the, the older son says, hang on, look, okay, Dad, all these years I've been slaving for you. Notice I've been slaving, huh, you know, for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. You've never given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Someone owes me. I deserve better than this. I, I deserve more, Dad. And here's what we see so often. I deserve a better paying job. If I can't get a better paying job, I just don't want to work. I, I, I just rather do nothing if I can't get a job I deserve. Or I deserve these benefits, or I deserve a vacation. Or I, de- I mean, it's crazy that you've got literally like 10-year-olds who feel like they've, they're being punished because they don't have a good enough cell phone. Come on now. I mean, seriously, uh, 10 years old, I want a better cell my, my, I can't do the internet on my cell phone. 10 years old. I deserve more. I'll just be real honest. Where I live, it's more of an affluent community. And so when a kid turns 16, the age to drive in my community, it's that they often get new cars. I didn't say they worked for them. I didn't say they just get new cars. And I've seen kids very, very upset because they didn't get a new one. They got a used one. I, it's borderline child abuse in my community not to get your kid a new car. I'm entitled to this. I deserve more. Where'd they learn that? From my generation. I deserve this kind of vacation. If I can't have it, I'll just charge it. I deserve this kind of house. I'm worth it. I deserve it, right? Ungrateful mindsets. One of the nine, not the one. So let's do this. Let's take a moment and just kind of sit back and see what God would say to us about any ungratefulness in our own hearts. What I want to do, I want to break it down into just three sections, and I want to ask you to be really, really honest and see if God would expose to you any ungratefulness. And let's deal with it biblically and deal with it severely. Uh, The first one, if you're taking notes, let's ask God to expose any material or financial ungratefulness in your life. Maybe, just look around, you know, I'm dissatisfied because my TV's not good enough. I really can't be happy unless I have the right TV. Or it could be your house, you know. Uh, We don't have the right kind of countertops or, you know, our kids. If we have another kid, they're going to have to share bedrooms. And I mean, that's just, you know, who can raise a godly kid if they're sharing bedrooms? That just, that that wouldn't be right. Or here's an interesting, I don't know if you've ever done this before or not. Uh, I have. I'll walk into my closet full of clothes and I look at it and go, uh, help, help me out if you know this. He goes, man, I've just got nothing to. Is that crazy or what? I mean, like, there's like clothes. The funniest thing is, who do you think picked them out? Me? What I'm saying is, in this whole closet, I don't have anything I like. Out of all these different things, 
I've been to places where people really can say, I've got nothing to wear. And when you see that, you're seeing a butt at the same time because they've got nothing to wear, okay? And yet, in my closet full of things, I'm going, I got nothing to wear because I don't like my clothes. Uh, I don't like my car. I've heard people, well, my car's three years old. My car's five years old. I don't have heated seats. I can't plug my iPod in. I mean, I, gotta, I need to go into debt because I can plug my iPod in. I don't have windows that you push a button. There was a kid, one of my staff members was telling me that her kid got in a car. said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. They came out with this new car. It's really crazy. To, to roll down the windows, you have to do this thing like this. It's really, really cool. I've never <laughs> seen this in my life. Cutting edge technology. I'm upset because I have to push a button and I don't have one of those cool ones. <laughs> Think about it. I really wish I had more money. I really wish I had a better job. I really wish I could provide more for my kids. I really wish we had a better car. I really wish we could take better vacations. I really wish, call it what it is. If that's you, check, check that right now. Check. I am materially and financially ungrateful. Call it what it is. Don't hesitate. Check it now. Own it. The, the next thing may be relational ungratefulness. It could be that you're, uh, you're sick and tired of your parents being in your business. And I'm, I, I, my, my parents don't whatever, fill in the blanks for you. Or it could be, you know what, my husband, I, just, I wish he were whatever, had a better job, made more money. I wish he'd be a spiritual leader. I wish he could fix things around the house. He's just not. Or my wife, I, just, I wish she was just more fun. I wish she was more, I wish she, I wish she was more uh, romantically involved. I mean, I wish, I wish that she wasn't always with her friends and was always with me. I wish she'd make more food around the house. I wish she had a better paying job, whatever it is. I, I, she's not, he's not. I, I, I'm not happy because I don't have a girlfriend. I wish I had, I wish I had a boyfriend like everybody. I, I wish my boyfriend had a job, you know, and it's on and on and on. I, I, I don't have the, I don't, I don't, my friends aren't. We don't have the Christian friends. If you're relationally ungrateful, go ahead and check that and just say, yes, that's me. Be, be honest. A third thing would be circumstantial ungratefulness. I don't really like my job. I'm, I don't like my house. I, I don't like my hair. Or I don't like my lack of hair. I just, I don't get the breaks. Call it what it is and put it down. And let's do this. What we need to do in, for the rest of our time is we want to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. How do we do it? How do we go from being entitled to being grateful? How do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Here's how we do it. We are going to decide to turn blessings into praise. We're gonna make a decision. Every blessing that God gives us, we're gonna turn into praise. There's a verse from a song that goes like this. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. So we've sung this song before. I would sing it for you, but you would not praise God if I did. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Write this down. Why is it so important? Because every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride. It's good preaching. You can say it's good preaching if you want to. Every <laughs> blessing that I don't turn back to praise to God turns into pride. I deserve this. I had this coming to me. I, 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 I am worthy of this, right? I deserve more. I want it now. It's pride. It's entitlement. Every blessing, every good thing, God you are the giver of all good gifts. I will pause and give you praise and honor and credit for this. I will cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Paul said it this way. I love this. Philippians 4, 11. He says, I have what? Everybody say it aloud. He says, I have, say it again, everybody. All of our churches say it aloud. I have what? I have, I have learned to be what? I've learned to be 
content, whatever the circumstances. If I'm healthy, if I'm not, if I've got a lot of money, if I don't, if I like my job, if I don't, if I've got a lot of hair, if I don't, whatever. I've learned. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I have what? Again, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This is something you learn. It's a mindset. You train your mind, your heart, your attitude, your spirit. You have learned. What's the secret? I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. This is a learn something. By nature, most of us are not grateful. By nature, we're not. We're sinners. By nature, I'm not contented. Sometimes people say, but you're a pastor. I'm a person. I was at a buddy's house, and for some reason, his stupid alarm went off at like 4 a.m. We weren't supposed to get up till 7. His alarm's going off. Beep, 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 beep. So I just screamed out, turn off the alarm. He's, he, he's asleep. Huh? I said, turn off the beep, beep. Turn off the alarm. Finally, he turned off the alarm. A couple hours later, he got it. He says, man, I'm just so moved by you. You are so close to God. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, first thing you do in the morning, I mean, it's the middle of the morning, alarm's going off, and you just shout out, praise the Lord. Like, yeah, I am that way. I'm, I'm close to God like that. <laughs> Turn off the alarm. Praise the Lord. No, uh, I'm not. By nature, I'm very dissatisfied. By, by nature, I'm a complainer. I've learned. I've trained my mind. I, I have learned the secret of being content. I, I, I love what the Scripture says, uh, Ecclesiastes 6, 9. The Bible says, better what? Would you say it aloud? Better what the eye sees. Everybody trying it. Better what? Better what the I sees than a roving of the appetite. Better what God has put before you than roving and hoping for something more. Better the blessings that God has put right here than longing for what I wish I had but I don't. Better for what the eye sees than a roving of the appetite. I'll give you an example. My family, we were at a beach a few years ago and I was just miserable because we spent all this money all this effort, and we're at the beach at the only week that it rained all week long. Cloudy, you know, cold, windy, and I'm just like, oh, we're at this beach. And so there was finally a window about three days in that the weather was halfway decent, and we went out, and then I had like six drunk midgets, my little kids, six kids, wandering around. A few of them couldn't swim at the time. And so Amy and I were like this the whole time. You get those two, I'll get these two, watch them. And so they're out in the water, we're kind of watching them like this. And I got distracted after a little while. And then I looked up and I was like, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, Buki, where's Buki? Buki was little bitty at the time. And all of a sudden there's just this heart-wrenching fear. Buki, where's Buki? And Amy's like, we're, I thought you were I thought, I thought you were watching. And we're looking everywhere, everywhere. I mean, all of a sudden I'm in the water, I'm looking for heads bobbing up. And it probably was only two or three minutes, but I'm telling you, it felt like two or three lifetimes. I mean, Buki is gone. Where is he? I mean, it's like I'm in the water, we're looking everywhere. All the kids are screaming, crying, people are coming over to, to look. Hearts. Then I looked up over back toward the, the little house, and there's a sand dune, and Buki comes over the top pulling his pants up. <laughs> Evidently, nature called, and Buki went out to take care of nature, and he's, he's, he's back. And at that moment, everything changed. Everything changed. I was the most grateful man on planet Earth. Now, Circumstances hadn't, but my perspective was so different. At that moment, 
I had all six of my kids on vacation by God's beach. And I had my wife and we had our health and there was not a more holy and beautiful moment ever because my perspective had changed. All perspective, all perspective. Still an ugly day, beautiful in my heart. Here's, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Proverbs 15, the cheerful heart has a continual feast. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better what the eye sees than a roving of the appetite. The, the next time you say, I'm sick of my car, instead you get a different perspective. You say, I thank God that I have a car, that I'm one of the top three to five percent of the wealthiest people in the world, and I have transportation. I'm, my house is always a mess. God, I thank you that I am blessed with a family and with friends that come in and enjoy this house. Well, my house is too small. No, actually, God, I thank you that I've got a toilet, and I've got an air conditioner, and I've got a heater, and I've got running water inside this house. I am thankful, God, for the blessings that you've given me. Well, I, I don't really like my job and the people I work with, whatever. God, I am thank you in a, in a world where so many people are searching for jobs that you have given me a job. Well, I don't like this about my body. God, thank you that I am healthy and I have this day. Thank you for my friends. Thank you not just for the material things, but oh God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus. Thank you that you took a person who deserved, you, you know what I deserved? Hell, death, eternal damnation. That's what I deserved. Oh, thank you, God, that you did something for me that I never, ever deserved. Thank you, God, for forgiving and transforming this person. Thank you, God, for all the good blessings that you sent. Oh, God, forgive us for our ungratefulness. Have mercy on us for our spirit of entitlement. Change us, O oh God, that we would never complain when you have blessed us beyond what we could imagine. God, help us to see those that truly are without so we could see how much we have. And God, be grateful not for what we have, but most of all for who you are and who we have. God, forgive us, forgive us, God, for our ingratitude. Transform us. God, help us to be the one. Help us to be the one. Not just to feel gratitude, but to show it. To show it to you and to show it to your people. God, help us to turn every blessing that you pour out into praise. God, with your help, we will be the one. As you're praying today at, at all of our churches, take a moment and be honest. If you, if you see any ingratitude in your heart, any ungratefulness that you'd like to say, God, I, I, am, I want your forgiveness for my spirit of entitlement. God, I confess it to you. Would you forgive me for my ungratefulness? If that's you, would you just lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up. All, all of our, our churches around God, I thank you that in this series, you're planting within us the forgotten virtues of this world that are so important to you. And God, we just humbly confess, we, we can be so ungrateful. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us. God, give us, give us extreme spiritual gratitude for what you put in front of us. Give us eyes to see the blessings. 
Give us eyes to see the blessings of the relationship. God, the blessings of the church that we get to be in and worship you freely. The blessings of being in a church that's reaching people. The blessings of, of relationships. The blessings of your presence. The power of your Holy Spirit. God, forgive us for complaining when we have so much and believe the lie that we truly have so little. God, change us from an entitled generation to one that is overwhelming and overflowing with an attitude of deep gratitude and worship to you, O oh God. As you keep praying today at, at all of our, our churches, many of you, you're gonna, you're gonna recognize, you know what, I really have never had just a, an overwhelming gratitude toward God. Why do you think that is? One of a couple reasons. Either you've never really gotten to know him or you don't truly understand what he's offering you. Let me tell you how good he is. You want to talk about what we deserve? Well, I deserve more. I deserve this. Scripture says that we are all sinners and that all of our righteousness, our best righteousness piled on top of each other, it's filthy before God. We are so unholy in the eyes of God that you know what we deserve? We deserve eternal punishment. That is what we deserve before a holy God. But check this out. You want to know something worthy of giving God honor? God loved you so much that he does not give us what our sins deserve, but in his mercy, he gives us a way to be forgiven, to be transformed, and to have eternal life now. In his love, he sent his son Jesus, not just to cleanse us from leprosy, but to heal us from our sins, to forgive us, to transform us, to make us new. In fact, that may be the very reason why you're here. What do you deserve? You deserve eternal punishment, as do I. But because of the grace of God, he sent his son Jesus. And now, because Jesus died for our sins, because he rose again, the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why you're here. Anyone who calls on his name. When you truly know him, when you understand his grace, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be the one. Your only reasonable response is to give him your whole life because he gave you his whole life. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, you know what, that's me, I'm not walking with him, I don't truly know him. Today I want to be forgiven, I want to be saved, I want to give my life to Jesus. When you do, your sins will be forgiven, you will be transformed, that's why you're here. If that's your prayer today, at all of our churches, would you lift your hands high right now, just lift them up and say, yes, that's me, I give my life to you. Those of you at Church Online, you click right below me. I'm committing my life to Christ. And all of our churches, just lift your hands high right now and say, yes, yes, that's me. As, as there are hands going up at, at churches across the world, as you're experiencing and calling on the name of Jesus, would you just now, all of us together, pray this aloud. Just pray simply, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my ungratefulness and for all my sinfulness. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your Spirit so I could serve you. I believe I'm forgiven. I'm a new creation. My sins are gone. Your Spirit lives in me. I am not my own. I belong to you. Because of what you've done, I will give you my whole life. Overwhelm me with worship, with gratitude for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of our people said, worship God. Thank him for what he's done and for who he is.